0: State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the SGPN NFL Playoff Challenge: five hundred dollars in cash and prizes up for grabs, exclusively on the SGPN app.
1: Cancelo can't shoot from distance, I'm not choosing to do so. Strike here, and it's the local hero, Phil Foden. It's a corner in the end to Manchester City. And he's over the line. It's been given. It's Haaland. It's the magic touch. But when it matters, in the middle, there's no stopping him. De Bruyne. Haaland oh, can he reach it? You bet he can. You bet he can. What a pass. It's a
0: thing of beauty from Kevin De Bruyne and we expect that. But now he's got someone on the end of it.
1: The machine. Haaland oh, makes it move. They're on the same page those two. And how. And Foden. This is sensational. When do you see football like this? Breathtaking. Brilliant. United, no answer. It's judged by Grealish. Taken on by Anthony. Who scores a wonderful goal. Well. For one. Well, he scored on his debut against Arsenal. He scored on his derby debut here. Restored a little bit of pride. Who knows what else to Manchester United. Just 10 minutes into the second half. Into De Bruyne. Gomez. Fast and low. Hat-trick, hat-trick, hat-trick. Three in three games at the Etihad. He's just ripping up the record books. Brilliant! Really, everything to his right. Slightly he left was... Haaland, Foden, is he going to get his hat-trick? They've asked for offside, but Phil Foden believes he's emulated Erling Haaland. And it's 6-1, and there are the two, three apiece. City fans were switching off a bit, but the City players perhaps have done so as well. And it's going to be number two, followed in. He just got caught out by Fred. He's alive, Martial. Six-two. And they've got a oh, penalty. Drama right to the end. Oh, what a sense of some respectability for Manchester United. And he puts it away for his second and United's third.
0: That was last time Manchester United entered that game in good form. We went to that game with high hopes. We are back tomorrow at Old Trafford. Is it revenge day in the Manchester derby tomorrow morning? You are listening to... Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow Bet MUFC at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. They are at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. And finally, you can follow my Twitter account. I am on Twitter at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. That is the Twitter account for LockBetting.com, who have delivered 115 months in a row of transparent track profit. The pin tweet on the Twitter account is always the PL from the previous month. And at the moment, you can see the month of December, which features all of the World Cup futures. If you like what you see, make sure you sign up for the service. So let's move on with this edition of Bet Mufc. As I said, Manchester derby tomorrow. We're not going to spend too much time recapping the semi-final in midweek. It was a routine victory. Man United heavily rotated and made heavy work of the first 70 minutes until Marcus Rashford on and came on and scored two goals that got us over the line for a 3-0 win. We have now avoided. Manchester City in a competition because they are out. They were eliminated in midweek at the hands of Southampton. So now Manchester United and Newcastle are the front runners, and even they have been separated in the draw, with both of them facing relegation contenders. Newcastle will have to get past Southampton over two legs, and Manchester United need to get past Nottingham Forest. So it does look like. Manchester United and Newcastle will face off in the EFL Cup final. And Manchester United are the favourites at the moment at 6-5 plus 120 to lift the trophy. So, Eric Ten Hag could lift the trophy in his first year in charge. And we could finish in the top four. That would have been the absolute most that any fan could expect. But... If Manchester United win the derby tomorrow, we go one point behind Manchester City. If there is any kind of slip-up in the North London derby, we obviously get close to Arsenal, who we play next weekend. If we beat Manchester City and we beat Arsenal next weekend, and we have already beaten Arsenal this season, we're the only team to do so. Are we genuine title contenders? A lot of these type of questions were asked to Eric Ten Hag. Let's have a listen to what he had to say leading up to this Manchester derby tomorrow in terms of building up to this game obviously you played Manchester City once this season and the first half in particular was not great how um, how further forward do you think you are now and how better prepared are you to meet a team like that
2: Uh, that's uh, the question Um, we have to prove that tomorrow on the pitch and there's only one truth is always on the pitch and so quite clear last time we did well so we have to do tomorrow better we know where we have to work on Um, and that is not only fun uh, it's coming overnight no, there was a process in the uh, last months where we where we developed where we progressed and now uh, we have now uh, faced it to, against better teams you know, we're looking forward to it and I think that's one of the things is about the mental uh, mental approach mental attitude so we have to be brave and we have to act with belief and and play our game do
0: you Look at the table and think: if we win this game, we'll go point behind City. That's good. Or you're looking at the top. How, how do you view the situation?
2: It's in January, and it's a season. It's not even halfway. So well, we're talking about the. Uh, so this is the second time we face Manchester City, but um, it's a long way. Um, so it's in this period of the season. It's about getting yourself in a position you can win trophies in the end of the season and about nothing else for from Kofan came to game. Don't look too far ahead.
0: Hi Eric. Hey, I think after that game against City you you thanked them for kind of showing United where they were I suppose at that point. I wonder what was your immediate reaction that night after that match? What, what do you go through after an experience like that?
2: Uh, I think the same, that was my, so, uh, how I analyzed the situation, analyze uh, analyzed that game, so that I express, as expressed, so honestly, um, it was a lesson, and we took the lesson, and I think from that point on, we make huge progress, um, so we have to continue the progress, and the
0: process, can you tell us what you've done to to have? I mean, it's been quite remarkable the the turnaround in, in the club since that game, but also at the start of the season. Can you tell us what you've actually done? You know, it might be boring, I don't know, in terms of, like the processes. But how do you get to this point
2: from there? Yeah, maybe it's boring. Yeah, but I think you. But I think things are I like get, and I think that's game was a setback, it was yeah, you can all find uh, reasons why, but it's not that interesting it's always about, you have to act, you have to deliver and, but as a manager, as a coach you know also, yeah, you have to go to certain steps huh? you, you um, I think you need a clear vision you need a clear philosophy you need, uh, uh, you need a clear point where you want to go, a direction and then it's about develop it and that's what we are doing and that's what we did but yeah that's the nice in I think in uh, many things in life but especially in top football there's never a hand point
0: Eric you've had a contrasting week they you've
3: won eight on the bounce City lost in the cup a big surprise I think for everybody in midweek so good time to play them or a bad time
2: I don't look and of course we notice uh, that uh, they uh, had a setback clear um and of course, I've seen so in the past weeks many games of them. But we have to look at ourselves. We have to play our best game. It's all about us. And of course, is always plays an important role in, uh, in football. But you have to play your best game. And that is what I demand tomorrow for my players, that they are on the pitch and play their best game together. And togetherness with, uh, with full belief, uh, not naive, uh, but um, uh, come on the, um, on the pitch and um, act as a winner 6-3 was
3: was quite a scoreline in in October do you use that or have you been using that as motivation
2: or or have you been very keen to park that and, and push on no I don't it's not about that game anymore it's about and it's the past it's about the future so the past you can't change but you can't change the future and you're the fastest manager to 20 wins how much satisfaction do you take from that it uh, tells nothing it's uh, it's nice but you deserve nothing for it it's about uh, what I just said before it's about uh, winning trophies and so we are here in a project and um, so we want to win in this project trophies and that is what we have to work for and day by day give everything you have um the players uh, the staff so uh, but everyone around this club had to win the trophies okay. Eric how's the squad looking fitness wise for the match tomorrow um, yeah I think um, uh, uh, Dalot is uh, not available and uh, Anthony Marshall uh, he trained this morning so we have to wait how he's uh, uh, how we recovered from this training and if he's available then that will be decided tomorrow.
0: Can I ask what the issue has been for Anthony? It,
2: yeah, it's, um, it's a small thing um, so specific in, in his leg but um, uh, so I will be um, uh, yeah, it's better tomorrow or otherwise he will be available for Wednesday I think. You mentioned sorry. You mentioned that Diogo wasn't available. Since the World Cup you've, you've had to change the defence so many times there's been five different back lines in the six matches. How difficult is that in terms of the challenge of, of getting a, a rhythm and a, an understanding between the players ahead of such an important match? I think we only collected one goal in the last... Uh, uh, <laughs> and, but, but, and we didn't make... Uh, we, we make changes but I think... Well, uh, so, also, quite stable in, in a certain back four. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Um, you talked about the process and what's changed since the last meeting. How big a part of that has Casemiro been? Because he, he obviously just came on as a, a late substitute in that first meeting, and only just arrived at the club. How much has, has he played a role? Um,
2: it's, yeah, that's quite obvious. Uh, and, and I. Said it from the beginning. This team, they need, yeah, a six. And what is a six? But I think in, in the, what is the definition? Um, so uh, control, holding midfielder. But yeah, he is so important. He is so um, the cement between the stones, I would say. But it means so in defending, his organization, knows uh, his position, anticipating, supporting. So Players in the right position, um, uh, winning balls for the team, uh, duels winning, but also in possession, he can accelerate and speed up the game. And um, so he's typical, he has that, um, uh, I say, competences uh, to give that to a top team, uh, on top level. And there are not many uh, players. from this quality in the world. And he's one of them. So we are really happy to have him here on board because yeah, he makes a huge difference.
0: So we'll pick the bones out of that. He talked about how Manchester United have moved on and improved since the defeat against City. That's obvious just by looking at the results, just by looking at the league table. He was asked a question about constantly changing the back four since the World Cup. He responded by saying, We have only conceded one goal, although it does concern me if Diego Dallo, well, Diego Dallo isn't playing tomorrow, so Aaron Wan Bissaka has to occupy that position. I think defensively, Aaron Wan is as good, if not better, than Diego Dallo, but obviously he offers nothing going forward, therefore he is not a Eric Ten Hag fullback. He's also not a modern day fullback either in general. So we definitely lose something there with Dallo not supporting Anthony. And perhaps Anthony will have to come a little bit deeper to pick up the ball. He spoke about Casemiro as well. I think Casemiro has been an absolute revelation. We knew that he travelled with the ball. We knew he did what Frankie De Jong does, which is what Eric Ten Hag wanted. We knew he was a great reader of the game, whilst not the quickest we knew that he was able to anticipate and we knew he was able to win duels. But his range of passing and the way he's looked for United has been beyond what he did at Real Madrid. Obviously, at Real Madrid, when you have Tony Cruz and Luka Modric sitting in front of you... Casemiro would have often laid the ball off so we wouldn't have seen that side of his game we would have seen a more simplified Ingalo um, Kante version of Casemiro where he would just win tackles and he would intercept balls and, and help out the back four and just be that um, as Ten Hag said that link between the back four and the attacking midfielders but instead he's taken more impetus upon himself along with Christian Eriksen along with Bruno Fernandes we have three ballers in the middle of our park, for me, at the moment, this could possibly be the best midfield in the Premier League. I saw a lot of combined 11s this week. Everybody was an expert. Everybody knew who the combined 11s should be. Um, I saw a mixture of people going for recent form and those combined 11s were dominated by Manchester United players. In fact, I saw an entire back four with Manchester United players in it. But a lot of people in their midfield picked Casemiro and Bruno Fernandes along with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, You can't really disagree with that because De Bruyne and Fernandes are up there with two of the best creative midfield players in the world and Casemiro alongside Rodri are the two of the best, if not the two best, holding midfield players, and at the moment, Casemiro has been a level above Rodri. Plus, when you look at the trophy cabinets and compare, Casemiro for years has been ahead of Rodri. Rodri's had good seasons in England. Obviously, Casemiro, being a Real Madrid player, goes under the radar. He does a ugly job, which um, which involves just laying the ball off to Modric and Cruz, who could do more of the creative stuff. But Casemiro is really showing a lot of what we didn't see. When he was at Real Madrid. And somehow despite winning La Liga's. And Champions League's. He looks better than he did before. So for me this could be the signing of the season. The only thing that rules him out. Is the price tag for a 30 year old. That's always going to go against him. And obviously you'll be looking at. Uh, cheaper players who really stepped up and gave you great value when you're looking at who the signing of the season would be. I think this season's unfair because picking up Haaland for around £55 million, if you're looking at that category alone and not looking at the crazy wages and signing on feed that he got and the number of goals he scored, Haaland would have to take it. But for me, Casemiro is right in the mix, and I think all of the Manchester United signings so far have been solid. Um, Weghorst has signed for Manchester United. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think he's a good option if there's um, if there's if, there, if there's a need to rotate players and give people a rest, and if you're uh, level with 15 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go. And uh, you want somebody to hold the ball up. You want a different threat in the box. We saw her at work for Holland against Argentina. Manchester United now have that in Weghorst. But as I said, I don't think he's going to be a starter unless Martial needs a break. He spoke about Martial in that clip and said that Martial may be injured. That will be a big setback for Man United. Not because I massively rate Antony Martial, but I think we will lose something with Marcus Rashford not being wide and having to play in the middle. So that would be an issue for me if we have to play Rashford down the middle where he's more effective out wide. I would rather see him continue out wide and perhaps play someone else down the centre. Unfortunately, I don't really think anybody else can play the role. Jadon Sancho is now fit and available, but I don't see him as a centre forward. I don't see him pushing Sancho out wide and pushing Anthony down the centre. I also don't see Ganacho playing down uh, playing down the centre either. So we are limited in that area. Weghorst hasn't signed in time to play it. So we are hoping that Anthony Martial is fit for the game. As for Manchester City... Um, he addressed it there. They are coming off the loss against Southampton. For me, that does make them more dangerous. But it's a catch-22 situation. I want Man United to win a trophy this season, and if we don't have to play Manchester City over two legs, and we don't have to play Man City at Wembley, we now have a much better chance of winning the EFL Cup. So for them to lose that game, it gave Manchester United a much bigger chance of winning a trophy. So for that reason, I can't say that it massively goes against us. That now they're coming off a loss, and they're very unlikely to lose two games in a row. Perhaps. They will lose two games in a row tomorrow. Manchester United are in great form coming into this. We've won eight home games in a row. We've beaten Arsenal at home. We're the only team to do so. We've beaten Liverpool at home and we've beaten Tottenham at home as well. I don't think we have anything to fear here other than Erling Haaland, who took us apart in the first game. I think we'll have a plan for him. Rafa Varane obviously wasn't right in that game, which is why he was substituted in the first half. And he's a key player. For me, he has re-established himself as the best defender in the world. There was a big narrative last season about Rafa Varane's injuries and how he was made of glass and how he really wasn't here to play for man united how he was just here for one big final payday he'd won the world cup he'd won the champions league with real madrid he didn't care anymore and people were just pulling him out of the conversation for the the best defender in the world or or didn't regard him as one of the best defenders in the last five ten years he's been that and more in fact he's number one him and ramos have been the number one and number two in whatever order you want to put them defenders over the last 10 years you can make a case for virgil van dyke but virgil van dyke for Me has really only had two or three good seasons. The year where he could have challenged Messi for the Ballon d'Or, that was an exceptional season for a defender. Perhaps the best single season that a defender's had. What has he done since then? How has Van Dyke looked since his injury? Is it going to make a difference to Liverpool if he's injured because they're conceding goals every week anyway? I think the player is massively overrated and I think Rafa Varane is massively underrated and now he's showing once again why we signed him and why he's won so many Champions League and why his nickname is uh, Champions League Varane. So, Pep Guardiola also had a press conference yesterday. We will keep it a little bit more short for Pep. We'll just pick out the key comments, particularly where he addressed how Manchester United had improved. Have a listen to this. You said the other night that you might need some ridiculous tactical plans to beat them. What does that really mean? And, and, and have you been working on something kind of a little bit different for this match? A joke. It was a joke. But I mean obviously last time you played Manchester United it was a fantastic game. How difficult a prospect is it to face them again and how much have they improved since you last played? A lot.
3: It's normal. New manager arrive, many things must be settled and and obviously the improvement of the team is is clear, not just in terms of results and everything, so Yeah. yeah. I had the feeling every time I've been in Old for or Man United came here and the the stadium always had been a, a difficult game, a part was in our side, a part against, but always the word attractive games because both teams want to try to, you know, win the game with a, a lot of quality players in both sides, so top class managers, so yeah, it will be a good game.
0: I um, first, Southampton was obviously disappointing on Wednesday night. Have there been issues ironed out on the training field in the last 48 hours?
3: No. Normal preparation for the uh, next game.
0: Ilkay Gundogan after the game said something's off at the minute. There's a, a missing recipe were his words. Lack of desire, lack of hunger. That's quite concerning... City fans to hear. What, what are your thoughts on, on those comments?
3: City fans cannot complain about uh, what this team is able to do, have done, do and will do. We cannot talk about on behalf of the City fans because City fans, there are millions. I know what every single City fan thinks. I'm not able to to think about it. Saying that, what happened didn't surprise me. We tried to avoid it. It happened, unfortunately. Hopefully it's not going to happen again. But it's happened because we do four Premier Leagues in five years. And sometimes you have to reset the this competition Carabaga kind of dictate or show me exactly in terms of consistency we're able to do it. And this was our strength in as a team, as a club in the previous seasons. But after Back to back to times, this could happen. It's normally happened. We are not ready to, you know, to to go there and be ourselves. I'm not talking about winning Carabao Cup. I'm not talking winning games. let must be ourselves. let's behave how we have to do in every single game. Unfortunately, I was a little bit concerned. You know, the season it could happen. Unfortunately, it happened. I don't know if it's going to happen again, but we will try to do it.
0: I was going to say, So, uh, uh, is that something that's got out of the system now? It's, have you got any concerns over the hunger and desire ahead of the derby tomorrow?
3: No, I'm not concerned at all.
0: Yeah, so that was Pep Guardiola. I don't know how to read his mood or the way he was there, whether he's losing the plot a little bit and this is a great time to play them because there is finally a little bit of disharmony at Manchester City or... They're really, really, really fucking pissed off. They really, really want to bounce back tomorrow. We are going to be the victims of it. And this is possibly the worst time to play them because Pep Guardiola looks absolutely furious. So I have no idea how to call it. I'm just going to go along with what I've seen from the two teams over the past couple of months and I'm going to base it on the the record that Manchester United have had at Old Trafford in recent weeks. And also the fact that we want to win this game. We have had this game circled since they beat us. Remember, we had a terrible start to the season where some people were predicting that we might finish in the bottom half. And Eric Ten Hag could lose his job before Christmas. We lost 4-0 to Brentford. We lost 2-0, uh, 2-1 to Brighton the game before that. We had all the issues with Cristiano Ronaldo, but we bounced back. He punished the players by making them run extra kilometres because they were outrun by Brentford. And we turned up and outran Liverpool, the team who covered the most running distances in games, Game after game after game, year after year after year, that was their MO under Jurgen Klopp to press and to outrun their opponents in terms of kilometres covered. And we outmanned Liverpool and beat them. And that was just the start. And obviously we went on a run from there that was derailed by Manchester City and was once again derailed temporarily by Aston Villa. But again, without Cristiano Ronaldo at the club, we have bounced back from that whole situation and we've come out since the World Cup and won every single game. And this team, since that loss against Brighton, have looked absolutely unbeatable at Old Trafford. I mean, just look at some of the teams we've beaten. We've only dropped points to Newcastle, but Arsenal dropped points to Newcastle because Newcastle are very good defensively, the best defensive team in the Premier League, and they're able to part the bus and they're able to get that point. But they've got that point against Arsenal. They've got that point against Manchester City at home, although that was a 3-3 draw. They've also gone and won at Tottenham. So this is not a, a terrible result, but Manchester City aren't going to play that way. And you almost feel like or I almost feel like that if I'm reading between the lines, Guardiola's trying to bait us there. He was talking about how these are two teams that try to win the game. Is that a psychological ploy? Because if Manchester United come out and try to win this game and Manchester City come out and try to win this game, then Manchester City will win this game because to play that style of football is favourable to Manchester City to go end to end to go toe to toe with the fact that they can um, they can finish more more frequently with the fact that they have more clinical players. Erling Haaland is absolutely lethal. We of course have Marcus Rashford in form, but he's only just having a good patch of form. I would like to see more consistency from Rashford. This is a player who's been very has ranged from um, good to poor to massively inconsistent over the last two years. He hasn't had his best two seasons. Obviously, he had injuries. Obviously, he had some other stuff going on as well, some some psychological issues, some mental health issues. But now he's a different player, and we are seeing peak Marcus Rashford. And peak Marcus Rashford is a player who's in the top five players in the world. Erling Haaland isn't. Erling Haaland is a number nine. Erling Haaland will never be in the top five players in the world because he is just a number nine who scores goals. That type of player will not be considered, in my opinion, for, for Ballon d'Ors and things of that nature, unless we have a massive drop-off season by the likes of Kylian Mbappe or players of that nature, or even um, Carrot Ratskillia of um, of Napoli, who I think is going to be... Among those top five players in the world, he looks absolutely sensational, looks sensational again tonight as Napoli took Juventus apart. So these are the type of players that usually contend for that award, but it doesn't mean that Erling Haaland still isn't a 200, 250 million pound player because he puts the ball in the back of the net. And Robert Lewandowski and Cristiano Ronaldo have put the ball in the back of the net for years. Ronaldo obviously a very different player to the Ronaldo who played for Manchester United and who Real Madrid got in their first few seasons as he evolved into a, a number nine. He was still a great goal scorer but it was Messi that people always thought was uh, was considered the best player in the world. Now I don't think that Erling Haaland cares about that. I don't think he cares about Ballon d'Ors. I think he cares about goal records. And I think he'll continue to score over 30 goals a season consistently, maybe even over 40 goals a season consistently. But obviously there was a stat out there for him to be compared to Cristiano Ronaldo. He needs to score 40 goals a season for about 20 years. So that just really, like many other things, highlights how good Ronaldo and Messi were and these comparisons to Kylian Mbappe are a little bit far-fetched he has a long long way to go but at the moment especially coming off that last World Cup for me he is the number one player in the world he will be the number one player in the world but Marcus Rashford the way he's playing he can definitely get himself in the conversation if he continues to play that way stylistically he's a very very similar player he picks up the ball deep picks up the pool wide Likes to do things, likes to run at players, likes to create, likes to come inside, have shots at goal, scores great goals, scores free kicks. So Marcus Rashford is in that conversation, but we're talking about such a small sample size. It's almost ridiculous to make the comparison at the moment because Kylian Mbappe has been doing it virtually every year since he burst on the scene from when he was at Monaco to going to PSG. He's been up there scoring goals for years. He's been consistent for France. He's got France to a World Cup final. He's won a World Cup with France. So he's been to two World Cup finals already in his career and for me you cannot make the comparison at the moment but Marcus Rashford is flying high and if Manchester United are going to get anything from tomorrow's game let alone win Marcus Rashford is going to need a big performance looking at the odds man united are the 3 to 1 underdogs here it's 3 to 1 on the draw and it's 4 to 5 here on manchester city looking at some of the other markets here for the game if you look at the over under markets it's um Four to seven on over two and a half goals, so it's very juiced. Five to four on under two and a half goals. And both teams to score, it's also four to seven on yes and five to four on no. I think that's a no-brainer selection that we I think we will see. Um, three goals tomorrow. I also think we'll see both teams scoring tomorrow. I don't think either one are going to be able to keep each other out. So combining both teams to score and over two and a half goals could be another way to go. That's actually a plus money selection. Both teams to score with over two and a half goals is available at 11 to 10. Another pick that I like here is Manchester United on the double chance market. Now, that doesn't mean Manchester United have to win this game. We're simply betting on Manchester City to not win again against Manchester United. So we're betting on Manchester City to not do the double over Manchester United and for Manchester United to get something from this game. That is also a plus money selection. That one is available at 21 to 20. And um, I strongly believe that Manchester United are going to get something from this game. I'm not saying this as a supporter. Over the years, I've been very unbiased. Multiple times, I have picked against Manchester United. But also recently, we've made a lot of money on this show because I've had a very, very good read on Man United. And we have been successful making money. And I think tomorrow, Manchester United will be able to avoid a defeat. Interesting data ads here. City have won all four of their games this season following a loss. City have won their last three meetings with United and United haven't played a top half team since the World Cup. So despite the fact that we are on that strong run, we've had six straight wins since the World Cup. We haven't played any of the teams in the top half, but we knew, we always knew this was going to be Manchester United's easy part of the run-in. We played a lot of the difficult teams in the first part before the World Cup and Eric ten Hag did well with those games. He beat Arsenal, he beat Tottenham, he beat Liverpool and now we have our, our first really difficult game on paper since the World Cup. It's here against Manchester City. But um, I think I would be very, very disappointed if Manchester United did lose this game and uh, have to start our run all over again if we are derailed by Manchester City. As I said, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe that Manchester United could get a positive result. And my main lean will be to take Manchester United at plus money on the double chance market to avoid a defeat here tomorrow. That's it for me and this edition of Bet Mufc. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.